by being a good neighbor. And the reason you want to be a good neighbor is, is essentially that we, we live in a world of a lot of lost people. Welcome to the Chapin Commute. Today we have a fun episode with a friend of mine, Mark Powell. He uh, will uh, talk about uh, being a neighbor, uh, puts it in a Christian perspective, which it is impossible, uh, as far as I'm concerned, to talk about uh, the subject of being neighborly and not put it in a Christian uh, perspective. That biblical basis is a wonderful kickoff point. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Mark Powell. Welcome to the Chapin Commute, Mark Powell. Mark and I have been friends. Uh, we work side by side each other on a lot of um, things for uh, Lincoln Christian and other places. And in, But in addition to that, we are friends. Um, I have seen Mark Powell at his worst because I have seen him quadruple bogey a golf hole. I'll let you get final word on that subject and introduce yourself. Well, thanks, Dave, Sarah. It's fun to be here this morning, and and it is true that I have uh, been with Dave in many different scenarios uh, over the years, including the golf course, and uh, he is a good friend, blessed to work with uh, his wife for almost 14 years, and uh, so know the Chapin family, knew Sarah when she was just a kindergartner, I believe, I think was when I first met Sarah. So um, excited to be on the commute here this morning and, and share whatever um, very little wisdom that I might have. Oh, you're, you're a smart guy. So you got lots of wisdom to share with us. But we want to start off, it's called the Chapin Commute. Uh, we should ask you first off, how far is your commute? David is exactly four miles from my home to the school so it's uh it's just a just an easy trek right down old cheney road and what do you currently drive on that commute so that people can get a good picture in their mind sure it's uh what everybody would love to drive a the honda civic four door and that uh, uh it's blue and most mornings i'm listening to some type of jazz music when i'm coming both there and and back to school and used to listen to a lot of conservative politics and so forth and that kind of got me wired up and kind of agitated by the time I got to school <laughs> so I started listening to jazz I you know scripture says to you know to focus on things that are excellent and true and uh, joyful and I, f I found that jazz musicians pianists saxophone trumpet players or just the, the the excellence that they they exhibit when they're playing I, I like listening to that and it gets me in a good frame of mind for work well if you want to be agitated head to the golf course with me i mean that would be that <laughs> you don't need the conservative talk shows to get that i i do though i mean i want to keep pursuing this commute thing uh, mark is not perfect he is and as i said he works at lincoln christian which is a not-for-profit annual auction um, at the at the Lincoln Christian auction, and when I say Mark's not perfect, he once went home with something um, from the auction that involved his commute for several years. 
Yeah, that's a that's quite the story. Uh, somebody had donated a '79 Pontiac Firebird to the school to be auctioned off, and it had a essentially a bottom of the donor wanted to garner at least five thousand for the the this particular car. So if it didn't go for at least five thousand, then the school would lose the donation. Is is kind of the setup, and he needed that as a tax write off for that particular year. So. So essentially, I drove the car around a month before the auction and, hey, see me at the auction, please buy me at the auction, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so we get to, it was my very first year at the school and my wife had to be at a wedding in Illinois and was unable to attend. And the last thing she says before she leaves, do not buy that car. <laughs> So the auctioneer starts with the 79 Firebird and it starts at about 6,500 and it's, it's, it's crickets. There's, there's nobody bidding on this thing and it goes to 6,000 and 5,500 and 5,200. And, and the auctioneer knew my situation. Well, at 5,000, nobody had bid. And so up went my paddle. I bid on the, on the Firebird because I thought, well, Hey, maybe, you know, one of the kids would drive the car or, possibility of, of me driving it as well but uh, the auctioneer tried to sell it at 5050 but it nobody nobody bid so no sooner had he said sold that I I get a text from my wife in Illinois saying hey I heard you bought a car <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had some explaining to do when we got home, but actually I drove that 79 Firebird for 10 years. It was one of the best cars I've ever owned, and it wasn't great in the snow, but the kids didn't want any part of it. In fact, one of them never got in it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, the other funny story with that is, is Abby got in it once, and of course it had window handles that you had to you had to crank, you know, those of us that were born, you know, pre-1990 know what those are, but uh, she's like, she turned and looked at it and said, what is that? <laughs> so, well, I got, you know, we live in Nebraska and that, that's a great community story. The Civic is a better ride, uh, but doesn't turn as many heads. The, 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 we live in Nebraska, it was real, real drive. And I can attest that there were days that I, I ran into Mark and he could have used some jazz music on his ride because he was <laughs> agitated at, at the combination ice rear wheel drive 1970 miles car. But yes, it was in January and February, you were driving an ice skate for sure. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you for sharing your uh, commute stories. You are happily married. I can uh, let the uh, listeners know that, that you, your marriage survived the purchase of what you call the bird. We we celebrated 35 years this this summer, David. So, yep, she's a very understanding woman. <laughs> well, as often the case, when it comes time for a podcast guest, you know, someone like you gets nominated, and then we try to think of uh, what the topic would be, and yours quickly came to mind. Um, you are a, a good neighbor. You're a, a neighborly uh, a person, and so the. the the committee that decides these things, which even goes beyond Sarah and I, I thought um, of that topic when thinking of you. What comes to your mind when, when I say, uh, besides State Farm, what comes to mind um, when I say good neighbor? Well, I think any 
discussion with good neighbor, you know, begins and ends with uh, Mark 12. I mean, I work in education and the, uh, I would, I would assert that the greatest teacher ever was Jesus Christ. And somebody asked Jesus at the time, and he's at the temple, I think it was a scribe saying, Hey, what, uh, what are the two, two rules to live your life by? And the first he says is to love your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And then the second thing he says is, is, love uh, your, yourself as you would your neighbor, the, the teacher stepped on a, on something that, boy, he set a really high bar there. I mean, those, those two commands are extremely hard to fulfill. And the fact that, you know, if you think about God and, you know, loving him with all that you have been created with, that's a super, super difficult thing to do. But then to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, we are hardwired as sinners to love ourselves, to, you know, spend all of our time and our money and on ourselves and, and to consider your neighbors at that level is, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, a high calling and a, and a great challenge. Well, in your life, um, you're a humble guy. So in your life, who do you see? And you've given us Jesus as an example, which is the ultimate example, hard to, hard, hard to beat that. But what, other person what person would you would you go with in saying you know that's someone who i've always seen as a good neighbor and why yeah i, I think probably um the first person that came to mind when i uh, uh, thought about this a little bit was uh probably my father my dad he always was open in our home and you know, he lived incredibly generously and and was always doing neighborly things and the one example that really sticks out, he, we had a little league barbecue, and I was probably, I don't know, third, fourth grade at the time, and pulled me out of school. Um, there was a lot of work to be done to set up for this barbecue. So, you know, you had to dig a, uh, you know, it was a, a pit for the, for the, uh, essentially the, the pig, the pig roast, and then there was tables and just a lot of and the first thing he does, he goes to the jail and he gets four inmates out of the jail. And essentially that day, those guys, I mean, worked all day side by side, getting things set up. But he treated those inmates exactly the way he treated everybody else. And, and you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, as a third, fourth grader, anybody that's in jail, bad person, you know, done some things. What are, you know. I had some preconceived notions of what an inmate or somebody in jail was or who they were. And, and then uh, just uh, uh, at the end of the day, handed him some, you know, some, some a uh, little bit of money, just uh, he loved all these men as if they were, you know, uh, his friends. And uh, uh, that, that had an impact on me at a very young age as to, okay, there's a lot of needs and a lot of people and, and, you know, just keep your head up and see if uh, sometimes you can meet those needs and be a good neighbor. Well, your dad, I mean, for those who don't know, I mean, your dad's in law enforcement. So it, it would be very easy given his profession to be cynical in those situations towards people who were uh, incarcerated, you, you would think um, very easy. And, and so then the impact he must have had on the on the people, if he looked at others and everybody as his equal and his neighbor, he's going to have even a bigger impact, I would think, because of his position and background um, and, and how sometimes people in his position, it's hard to be neighborly. 
Yeah, you know, in law enforcement, you obviously see the a lot of times the the worst of of of, of people and mankind. But uh, I, you know, like you said, I mean, he never became cynical. They were, I mean, each each person has their own story and their own challenges, and uh, and I, I, like I said, I think he saw. He saw each person as his neighbor and, and as law enforcement, how do you come alongside and, and steward that in the direction that it uh, helps them? And, and sometimes it's just a simple hand up. Yeah. I see. Well, um, anyone other, I mean, do you have someone that might mentor you in this particular area? And you talk about your dad being an example. Obviously our dads can be our mentors. Is there anyone who just, you know, day to day that you kind of look out um on that or, or holds you accountable um, in an area like this? Yeah, the other the other person that came to mind was uh, our former superintendent, Mark Wilson. And I mean, Mark w- would, I mean, has a heart as, as big as Texas. And he would, I mean, he would find, uh, you know, just the, the, the weirdest situations of where, I mean, he would come alongside and support and help you know, in some, some really tough situations and get right in the middle of it. And man, you, you, you look at the situation and think, man, there is just no hope here at all. <laughs> and, uh, and we're, there's one, <laughs> there's one single mom that we have moved no less than 11 times. Um, and he, and he is still loving on this, this woman and, uh, praying for her and encouraging her and still in contact with her. And, I'm sure move number 12 is coming soon, but, uh, um, but yeah, just uh, watching Mark and how he interacts with uh, just uh, the opportunities that come his way and would be an, another mentor that I would throw out. Well, you and I are young and spry. Sarah's younger and offers a different perspective. Um, I know that Sarah's chaplain at the bit to ask a question of you. So my question is, it's easy to sometimes do neighborly things when opportunities do come our way. How, especially as like a younger generation, I feel as though um, we're scared to answer the door, let alone go go find ways to be neighborly. Um, so how would you recommend the younger generation that's becoming the neighbors of the world um, to go out and find those opportunities? That's a great question, Sarah. I mean, we are becoming more and more less open as a as a culture as far as uh, you know that's you know i i think the god always puts grass in front of us that all of us have to mow each day and whatever those opportunities are i mean as far as uh you know the uh i think the just the intentionality of of being able to uh, reach out to those that you're in contact with and then maybe just asking, Hey, is there, what are, are some of the things that uh, you're struggling with? Or, you know, do you need a hand or can I pray for you or some of those things? I mean, and that could be via electronics. It can be face-to-face. It can be an email, you know, it doesn't have to be you know, essentially um, the conventional ways of, you know, walking across the street and handing the neighbor a, a batch of cookies which your mom makes incredible cookies. She, she, she makes them and then I get to be the guy who walks across the street and hands cookies out. So yeah, that is a good way to be a neighbor, but yeah. Recently we moved to a townhome and, and there, 
I mean, we are probably some of the younger families that we are probably the youngest people in this townhome circle that we're living in. But um, intentionally, we essentially reached out to all of our townhome neighbors and we've invited eight to 10 over each month for the last probably six months just to get to know them. And we, you know, and, uh, and that, you know, relationship always trumps, you know, as far as theology and some of the things, but, but by being a good neighbor and the reason you want to be a good neighbor is, is essentially that we, we live in a world of a lot of lost people and uh, that don't know Jesus. And that's, that's the motivation of, one, love on people, and then two, once you love on them, a lot of times they're receptive to, hey, what? why are you a little bit you know, I've moved around a little bit in my life, always been friends with my neighbors, I mean, my literal neighbors to, to, to be friends with. And as you pointed out to us, everybody's our neighbor. If we come in contact with folks, um, they're, they're our, our neighbors. Uh, one, one place I can remember, you know, different neighbors not getting along with each other, just thinking, why don't you just get along with each other? Why, why, what, you know, you, you both managed to figure out how to get along with me. How about you just, you know, get along, get along with each other? So I don't have any special powers. Uh, what, what do you do in those situations when you, maybe you ever had that where it's like, you know, this person just doesn't seem to want to get along? Sometimes the, the, the people that are rough and gruff and so forth are, that's just a, it's just a defense mechanism. And a lot of times if you, you know, consistency of, hey, you know, reaching out to them and, and uh, trying to be a good neighbor in whatever that might look like, whether they, you mow their grass when they're on vacation or, you know, some of those actual things that uh, may have a meaning to them and, and they see that you're a little bit different a lot of times those those defenses and barriers come down but in some cases i mean there are people out there that do not want any type of relationship or fellowship and do not want to be a good, you know no, no, that's just the harsh reality of the world that we live in it's like hey leave me alone and, and uh don't bother me and that's I mean, that's well, if you don't mind, let's turn the tables on the youth of America. Sarah got a dog. Getting the dog said she wanted to get a fence. So Sarah, some of her neighbors have fences. So Sarah wants a fence. Ask her parents' advice. And what we say to her, not just to, to frighten the young young lady, but is you should go around and talk to all your neighbors and find out, you know, what they think can connect to their heads. Sarah, when you went around and talked to your neighbors, what did you encounter? The first one I encountered, I wore my Vikings gear because I saw that he was a Cowboys fan. And we got to bond over that he was a Cowboys fan and I was a Vikings fan. And he was he was very nice about it. We, if we see each other, we now wave. And the other neighbor that I went to, I encountered a great experience. I had not met him. I moved in. A year, and I hadn't met him. Met him in April, and we are now buds. We, whenever we see each other, we chat when we're outside. We, he's invited us over to watch a Vikings game and have a drink. Um, and we are now good friends. And I would have not been there if I wouldn't have gone over there and said, "Hey, can I put up a fence?" <laughs> well, you follow, you follow Mark's. Yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, we're supposed to take down fences and build bridges, not not put them up. <laughs> theoretically but you follow the, the advice there that that mark gives you in advance 
uh, to do that. So I think, you know, I think Mark's advice is spot on. I, I imagine if someone's out there listening and they think, oh, you know, is there any one thing you'd like to impart on, on people before you leave of that might feel convicted to be a better neighbor and not just to the people around them, but to the people they come in contact with? What is that thing, Mark? Yeah, I, I think there. One, I think just uh, we as a culture are so self-absorbed in our in our own challenges and and what the, the the various things that are entering into our life. And if if we just step outside of ourselves and kind of consider some of the challenges that our neighbors are going through and the the things that they're struggling with, the, the broken families, the health challenges and so forth. And then, and then just intentionality of like, okay, Lord, how, how can I come alongside and, and essentially um, be a neighbor and encourage this person in a way that uh, is meaningful to them. And I mean, I don't think there's any specific formula as to, Hey, it's uh, you got to do this or that. It's just uh, just keeping your head up and 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 looking for needs of the people that you come in contact on a daily basis. I I I'm amazed at how our culture has gone to the point where if you're out in public and you do something for somebody else, you really startle them often. Even the simple things of a, a few days ago, I held a door for somebody and and it was like shocking to her. That it happened. I, I, she, she appeared as though and was going to hug me or something. She was so happy at my kind gesture. Um, the fact that I probably growled at her as she approached me um, stopped the hug from happening. But uh, I, I think you're right. It just isn't happening enough about approaching each other. And as you do that, tear down the walls. Don't put up fences. Um, we, we end up being approachable. And I, I think it would be a terrible thing for me to say is. You know, be kind to the people around you. They might be kind back to you someday. But that is one of the side things that kind of happens is, is as you build relationships, those people like 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 uh, Sarah talked about become your your friends and acquaintances. And it just really shrinks the world and makes you feel better. Um, and you are a tremendous example. Even though when approached on this subject, you were shocked that you were a neighborly guy, but you are. You are just a, a wonderful example. I thank you for all things you've done for me and the other people um, that we know and I've seen. I know that before the day's over, you're going to be a good neighbor to probably about five or six different people. And uh, that's an inspiration um, for me. So thank you for talking about it with us. Thank you, Dave. That was inspiring. He is a great example of it. And as you can tell, it's an intentional lifestyle on his part. He has chosen um, to do that. He believes he's uh, modeling and he is modeling uh, a Christian a lifestyle, which makes it only that much more important and, and a little harder, I guess. Yeah. And one of the great reminders that we talked in talking about this is that the neighbors aren't just the people that live down the street from you. They're the people that you come into contact every day. And because it's easy to associate that neighbor word with just the houses next to you. It's not a choice that he's made. It's what he's supposed to do. So he's doing it. And uh, that makes it fun. 
and uh, rewarding.